0: or enjoy many hundreds of these recorded talks dating back to 1996. deep breath. Furnace, we could just do body movement.
1: Yeah.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. welcome again to the Yeah, welcome Fellowship. to the yeah Buddhist Fellowship. Uh, we yeah opportunity to ourselves to each other. My name is Howard. Bill. Tiara. Is there anyone Uh, here for the first time? Yeah, Yeah. Dharma Bear. (laughs) Anyone here for the first time? Yeah, welcome. your name again? Mark. Mark. (coughs) Does Dharma Bear show up at the Olsen Street Fair?
2: Sometimes. Uh,
0: that's good. That's good. Uh, well, it's my privilege, uh, of course, to uh, welcome G uh, Singh to the Sangha this day as our Dharma teacher presenter. Um, maybe a little background on G Singh. Uh, this will take about 30 minutes. <laughs> Norman Ang is the facilitator of Q and the Minister of Buddhist Spirituality at the Metropolitan Community Church in San Francisco. G. Singh is also a ritual artist and an amateur musician-songwriter. He was born and raised in Texas and has a B.A. in Religion and an M.A. in Spirituality. His main spiritual teacher is Thich Nhat Hanh. And uh, his uh, nickname is Thay, or they wouldn't say Thai. Tai. Tai. It means teacher again. Okay. And he was or- ordained by Tai into the order of interbeing of the United United Buddhist Church in the year two thousand and three with the Dharma name of True Wonderful Happiness. In the past, Ji Singh has collaborated on several rituals and retreats with Bay Area spiritual teachers, Matthew Fox of Spirituality and Christian de of Q-Spirits. He's been a retreat leader of the uh, California Men's Gathering three years in a row, and he has founded the former Gay Youth Spirit in 1995 and the current New Generation Sangha in 2001. His vision for future ministry is of a united spiritual community that will focus on Eastern, Western and earth-based spiritualities in an interfaith context with emphasis on music and the arts. And I'm uh, particularly delighted to introduce G.
2: Sain because he is friend. Well, I'm really glad to be here today. Um, it feels very um, supportive, the energy here, having Howard as the facilitator, because Howard is very dear to my heart. And um, my wonderful friend, Evelie Posh, who is such a, a goddess of music. <laughs> and she really knows how to channel the heart-opening qualities of the Buddha through her music. And just to look around the room to see some familiar faces. Some of you also attend Q Sangha on many nights. So it's just nice to, to be here in a different context. Uh, Today I don't want to uh, do a lot of talking, I'll do some talking, Um, but instead I want to have a Dharma talk that's more than just a talk, Dharma presentation that involves speaking but not just with words but through music as well and our body and speaking through our relationships and interactions. So this is sort of an embodied uh, Dharma talk so, because we need to realize that the Dharma is not just words. Dharma can be expressed through this flower right here. The Dharma is expressed through our presence, and so we can practice that today. And also, I had a a party last night, so I'm tired. I didn't really want to present a lot of words to this one. (laughs)
1: It's
2: all that wild dancing. Right. So I thought maybe we could start off with a song. Namo Tasa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambudasa. And over here, maybe someone could help pass out all the papers over there. There are three things that are being passed out. They're all inserted within each other. But it's the second page, which is white. In the middle of, of that, there's a print-up of the words, namo tasa, bhagavato, adahato, sama sambudasa. If you already know the words of that chant, because it's one of the most chanted Buddhist chants in the world, um, you don't need to look on. But The meaning of it is we bow in gratitude to to the Blessed One, worthy of respect, the fully enlightened One. Anybody know how to play a shrewdy box? Anyone ever played one before? I guess I'll do it. so, and if you don't have one, please share. Does everyone have one? Okay, so open up, take the pieces of the paper apart from each other, then the white page, open it up, and on the, on the uh, right-hand side, on the columns, down below, near the bottom, Namotasa, everyone see it? So, just in case you don't know the words, Namotasa. Let's just repeat after me Namotasa. 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 Bhagavato. Bhagavato. Arahato. 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 Sama Sambudasa. Sama Sambudasa. Sambudasa. Okay. Now, you can put down the paper if you'd like, or put it on your lap. And let's just put our palms together. Before we sing, I'd like to remind us that everything we do in this entire time is always mindfulness practice. So even when we sing or chant, it's a mindfulness practice. And so uh, let's just practice on Namo for a couple of seconds. It's just saying, uh, chant Namo for a long time, just one monotone. So taking a breath in, and then Namo. a vibration that you feel on your palms and your heart because that's where the energy is when we chant is in the center of our heart. And just be aware of all the vibrations around the mouth just mindful of sensations. Let's take a deep breath again. No. Before I uh, speak a little bit, I'd like to ask people to randomly share um, either from their experience so far today or of um, some experiences from past Yebu's uh, Fellowship mornings. Just some things that have been uh, brought up that either encourage you or have you have a question about. Just raise your hand.
3: In your own song, how did you learn to teach the song so that kids could leave the service?
2: This day you want.
3: Remind me of something that we did, we, you, we, I think we rarely sing or hear the It
0: reminded me of something that I was really good to do, we did together maybe two or three years ago, and we were singing uh, each person's own name, and we were tackling the singing the person's name. It was very peaceful.
1: the sky. So I would I
0: well, we have, in my experience in the past, I've done some chanting in this sangha and uh, in those Resonance that comes out. And That's a source of great inspiration, also. So, I look, you know, it encourages me to look forward to future opportunities as some get to include chanting and music in our time together. And it certainly is one of your great gifts. Appreciate it.
2: You're not the first person I hear saying that. I hear that a lot, actually. In fact, a friend of mine um, in Minneapolis was telling me he he, uh, goes to the Sunday 9 o'clock Zen Center service and then goes to the 11 o'clock Unitarian Church service because he wanted to balance the two. It's an interesting thing to think about in our uh, practice of Buddhism in the West. How much can we um, make Buddhism truly our own and not just an Asian import?
4: Can I Yeah. Please. I just wanted to say, though, that it, it's interesting because there is um, a Korean monk who's been asking for our songs. And actually, I, I just did a demo tape for him to bring back to Korea. Uh, so it's okay. coming from a circle, you know. Okay.
2: if I'm invited again, I think a topic that, um, how many of you did grow up in a first of all, who, who grew up in a Jewish background? A Jewish background, raise your hand. One. Just one. Okay. And how many grew up in a Christian background? Several. Okay. And then did anyone not raise your hand? Raise your hand if you didn't. Okay, what, what religious background did you grow up in? Oh,
4: start with Oh.
2: Did you grow up in the Bay Area? A little bit. Yeah. So I think it seems the majority of us grew up in the Christian background. And um, I'd like to talk about that if I am by the next time. But I don't want to talk about that today because I think today, it seems to me, the move is more toward embodied spirituality, which I'm going to play a five-minute uh, excerpt of a Dharma talk I gave recently at Kusanga during the Lunar New Year. Celebrating the year of the monkey. And I think it kind of does embody the topic today of embodied spirituality, because, especially your question about death. Because in Buddhist practice, most of the time, it's more of, it's, it's, um, you can use the metaphor of upward movement, trying to attain certain stages and enlightenment. But there's another side to Buddhist practice, which is the downward movement. Um, and in Mahayana Buddhism, that's usually called the bodhisattva idea. And I don't think they're opposed. I think they're both true, and they can be both done simultaneously as you're doing this upward movement. You're also simultaneously doing a downward movement. The upward movement is trying to go deeper and uh, to attain certain states of awareness and consciousness. But the downward movement is to, to, it's almost like channeling that Buddha nature that's already within you and expressing it as you go along. To express Buddha nature through Um, movement and activity through um, going to work, having relationships, having sex, um, talking to friends, creating a career, vocation, uh, helping and serving people who are oppressed. So, I don't think that they should be opposed, and maybe there's some portions of Buddhism that seem to be opposed to each other because they think, well, one's this ideal and one's the other ideal, but I think Western Buddhism, because we are such a melting pot of different forms of Buddhism that have come from the, the East, we have the opportunity to, to practice Buddhism in such a way that's very integrated, so that there is both an upward movement, the ideal depth and enlightenment, as well as downward movement, the idea of creativity and expression, and of uh, allowing um, our, our Buddha nature to express in just ordinary life, in all the different areas of life, including music, and culture and art. Um, But I will say that in this question of of creating a Buddhism in the West that is truly Western Buddhism, we do need to confront and truly look deeply into the issue of our Western heritage, which does include Judaism and Christianity. And um, part of our heritage also includes Islam as well. Um, I brought a few books along just to show you that this understanding of, let's just say, at least between um, Christian Christianity and Buddhism is already taking place, this, this looking at both of them. There's a wonderful book called Beside Still Waters, uh, subtitled Jews, Christians, and the Way of the Buddha. The First half of the book are testimonies of Jews who, who also practice Buddhist meditation. And the second half of the book are Christians who also practice Buddhist meditation and how they relate the two in their lives. You know, and they all have a different story. They all have different ways of integrating the two. Um, one of my favorite Buddhist Christians is uh, Ruben Habito, a Filipino, um, formerly uh, um, a priest. Uh, he now is uh, married. But he wrote this wonderful book that just came out with a reprinted version, Living Zen, Loving God. It's a great title. I but, I mean, this just came out as a reprint, so if you want to check that out, that's a good one. Uh, a couple of other ones. Here's a Buddhist who wrote about Jesus, and looking at Jesus from a Buddhist perspective, specifically a Zen perspective, and seeing how his teachings very much so resonate with, um, with uh, the Bodhisattva ideal. And, and so, anyway, it's called The Zen Teachings of Jesus by Kenneth Lao, a Chinese Buddhist in New York. Um, and he's very Buddhist, and it's not like he's trying to promote Christianity, but he's looking at Jesus from a Buddhist perspective. Um, and here is the opposite, uh, a Catholic priest, Robert Kennedy, who is writing about Zen, uh, specifically, uh, Buddhism in general. Get Zen gifts to Christians. And uh, he writes about his experience as a Catholic priest uh, practicing Zen, and he's is also... Uh, a Zen teacher. He has been. He's received transmission. So he has both authentic Christian experience and Buddhist experience, um, and expresses that very eloquently in that book. And just as an aside, there's a book that just came out, uh, edited by Thomas Moore. You might know who he is. He wrote the book Care of the Soul, a very popular book. Well, he edited this new book called The Lost Sutras of Jesus. And some of us may not know. <laughs> But when Christianity was in its early stage, before it became really rigid and dogmatic, many different um, kinds of Christianity existed, one of which was a very liberal, progressive, open-hearted, non-condemning form of Christianity. And some of those people went over to the East uh, in the early centuries and formed some Christian communities that were so able to blend in with the Buddhist and Taoist communities that when the persecution of Buddhists occurred, in the 10th century by the emperor of China. It pretty much wiped out many Buddhist monasteries, but because there were so many Buddhists, it survived. Um, But unfortunately, there were very few Christians, so they all got wiped out. But we don't know about them because they were completely wiped out, except these sutras were discovered about 100 years ago uh, in a cave in Shan, China, uh, along with Buddhist scrolls. Apparently, in this community of Christians, they worked in complete harmony with the Buddhists and Taoists and did things together, and they were not exclusive in their approach to Christianity. Anyway, it's a fascinating study of this very unknown form of Christianity that existed in China. Uh, and finally, my favorite author, of course, is Thich Nhat Hanh. <laughs> She's my teacher. And he's written two wonderful books on the topic of interfaith dialogue, specifically between Christianity and Buddhism. But there's also many books of dialogue between Judaism and Christianity as well. Um, but this was called Living Buddha, Living Christ, which you may have heard of because it's a national bestseller. And then one that you may not have heard of, which came out later, is Going Home, Jesus and Buddha as Brothers, which goes into a little bit more theological depth, um, if you're interested in that. Anyway, it's a, it's a wonderful topic to look deeply into. Uh, we won't go into it today, but I just wanted to whet your appetite. Maybe you'll invite me again next time. And um, But I want to say... Uh, Well, I'll I'll just stop there, and I'll just play you this excerpt. So we can practice some listening meditation. You can kind of breathe in, breathe out, sit. It's just five minutes long. Gonghei Choy. Happy Lunar New Year of the Monkey. Said, <laughs> so can you say Bodhiswaha? Bodhisattva. Now, yesterday I preached at a nice spirit-filled Christian church that Reverend Amma is the pastor at. And every time I said something, they would say, Amen or Hallelujah. So here, let's practice some of that. We can say Bodhiswaha. Bodhisattva!
1: Bodhisattva.
2: Bodhisvaha. You know, as I was preparing for this Dharma talk, which will be very short, I thought about the lunar year of the monkey. What exactly is the meaning of the monkey for us in Buddhist spirituality? Well, a friend of mine suggested maybe I should title the the talk "How to Frolic with Your Monkey"
1: <laughs> or
2: "Frolicking Like Monkeys." But I have to confess, those weren't exactly the words he used. (laughs) Not frolicking, anyway. So, but seriously, as I thought about this, I thought, well, okay, monkey. Like the monkey mind in our meditations or in our mindfulness practice, sometimes it's our monkey mind that just just never stops, distracting us, always pulling us away from the centeredness of peace. I thought, okay, maybe I could entitle this talk, How to Annihilate Your Monkey Mind. (laughs) Well, but then of course, as I thought about it, I realized that in Buddhism, we don't annihilate anything. (laughs) (laughs) It's a non-violent spiritual practice. So we're not trying to get rid of the monkey mind. So I thought, okay, maybe I'll title this, How to Manage Your Monkey Mind. Now, that sounds a little bit better, right? But still, there's an element of control, of seeing the monkey mind as something other, as something not right, as something to be suppressed or managed. But as I began to meditate on this, and I remember the words of our teacher, Thich Nhat Hanh, I figured out the perfect title for the Dharvatore. How to befriend your monkey mind. Bodhiswaha Bodhisattva! Okay. How to befriend your monkey mind. You see, meditation practice is not trying to destroy or annihilate or even manage the uncontrolled parts of our self. Rather, Buddhist spiritual practice in meditation is simply to first be with what is in our consciousness. And if it is a monkey mind, so be it. Let us be with that monkey mind. Let's embrace it, observe it, befriend the monkey mind. Because until we realize the monkey mind is none other than just ourselves, we we will create a battlefield between so-called good and evil within ourselves. Always one part being self-righteous and the other part the shadow side, to be suppressed. But that is not our practice. Our practice is rather to see the monkey mind, to understand the monkey mind, to be with, to sit with the monkey mind, to embrace it, and to realize the monkey mind is none other than ourselves in a different manifestation. So the part of us which is Buddha nature embraces the part of us that is monkey mind because they are not two. They are not separate. In fact, they inter-are and they need each other. You see, in our practice, sometimes we think we're trying to strive for Buddhahood. We We are imperfect and therefore we must seek what is perfect. But in that kind of attitude, we can really burn ourselves out. Because the truth is, you already are the Buddha. And practicing mindfulness is simply to express that Buddha nature that you already are. And so the monkey mind is there to help us in our practice, to help us to bring down to earth our mindfulness practice because spirituality isn't just some pie in the sky by and by, it's real, it's earthy, It involves the body. So the monkey mind, maybe you might call it your ego, whatever, it's important. It's an important ally in your practice. Because we're not trying to destroy our ego, but rather we're trying to be with, understand this part of ourself and see it transformed simply by the embrace of the Buddha mind and the ego mind, monkey mind. When you embrace a feeling like anger or depression, you really are with it. You realize, actually, that part of our consciousness is trying to tell us something. And if we try to fight it and suppress it, we'll never learn. So we look at the monkey mind like we look at our anger or our depression, and we try to see what is its purpose. And I believe, when I meditate on the monkey mind, the purpose is simply this. The monkey mind is simply curious. The monkey mind is here to explore the universe. You see, it's our vehicle of being human, of being in the physical realm. Otherwise, we'd just be spirit all the time, never manifesting in form. But to manifest in form requires that spirit has the monkey mind, enough to want to explore this universe. Because without that curious monkey, we would never really want to be here because there's so much weird stuff here. Okay? Bodhisattva! (laughs) Okay, So the monkey mind is our friend to help us be curious enough to explore and to express Buddha nature in all these realms of the physical. Otherwise we really wouldn't want to do it. So our monkey mind is the friend of manifestation. Friend of form. Emptiness and form. Form and emptiness. So let us befriend our monkey mind. Let us embrace who we really are in all of our light and shadow, our spirituality, our physicality. Because that is the truth. Buddha nature in everything. No river is refused by the motion of mind. Well, it's five minutes to 12, and I wanted to have a small, short exercise where you could express to each other your Buddha mind and your monkey mind in twos, but we've mm-hmm. run out of time. So let's just close with a song that Emily has written. No, no I'd like that. What would you like? Please. A song A
4: song together.
2: Oh, no,
0: no.
2: no. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. It's longer than five minutes. I reckon you joined your song. It sounds like it's
4: coming to the earth. Thank you, Okay, well, this is a, a song that I wrote based on uh, a poem by Ruby. Blessed time when we are city. one soul, you and I, Fragrance, song of birds, they quicken everything, when we come into our garden, you and I, all the stars of heaven, hurry to see us and we show them our own Many, 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 many forms And only one soul You and I
3: uh the, uh zen the city center the city zen center.
0: group. We're uh, meeting on the about the first Wednesday of each month
3: um, in San Francisco. If anyone's interested, you can talk to me and Jim about it. And I brought an extra copy if you want to get ahead uh, to read the first two chapters. And,
0: and if you're interested in a Monday night uh, connection, um, Sangha is uh, Monday nights at
2: MCC Church starting at 7 o'clock. And tomorrow, Darren Main, the yoga teacher, is speaking. And then next Monday, we're having a Dharma movie night. So you can come bring friends, bring popcorn. (laughs) Our host today is Cass. Cass?
1: Yes. um, Please stay.
2: circle together. <laughs> so I'll go around the circle and share a word or something that Thankful for, or a blessing to each other. Blue irises. Popcorn. Mm,
0: Conversations. Spaciousness. Sunday. Friends. San Francisco. Uh, How many? Companions. Gala apples. Fellowship.
2: Everything. The day. Love, friendship, care. That's (laughs) sort (laughs) of like. of our practice of mindfulness, concentration and insight for not only our own benefit but for the benefit of all beings everywhere, especially people who will walk out of this place and see right away offering them our presence and smile and throughout the week offering our presence to all those we interact with. And we take a deep breath,